Greetings, everybody. This is a Travel Addict podcast where you can hear candid stories and discussions about business and adventure travel from around the world with activities such as trekking, diving, camping, driving, cruising, and just plain chilling out somewhere. We talk about lots of experiences in places all over the world, including the grand, the remote, the edgy, the risque, and ones of questionable merit. Education, fulfillment, and wonder enrich our lives. And of all the books in the world, the best stories are found between the pages of a passport. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody. Malcolm Teasdale here, the travel addict. It's a nice day here in Florida for a change. It's been freezing cold, but it's not as cold as where my guest is today. And it's Kayla Eskerson. I think I pronounced that correctly. And she's from the province of Alberta in the city of Calgary. I hope I got that right, you know. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's a bit chilly up there. I'm gonna, well, introduce her in a minute. But uh, Kayla, you all right? Yeah, I'm doing great. I am doing great. How are you doing? I'm all right. Probably a bit warmer than you. Now, Kayla is a Canadian, of course. Can you tell by the accent, everyone? Yeah. Anyway, she's an online content creator specialize in entrepreneurship, influencing, and personal finance, which is all very interesting. But we're going to focus on the travel aspect of this podcast. Uh, that's a bit later. So, Kayla, glad you could be here. i got some questions for you, though. And it's yes. not because I'm ignorant of this, but there's people out there who <laughs> might need to know, you know. Explain what an online creator is. I think I know what it is, but just, uh, you know, elaborate on that. Online creator, what is it? Yeah, well, and for me, creating content, I usually do TikToks and I post pictures on Instagram, but I also own a design company. I'm the creative director of a design company and I work full time. So I'm, I'm a busy guy, but for me, online creation, it's just, you know, I, I post my life. I post fun facts. As you saw, I'm very into personal finance. So that's a big thing that I like to post about, especially for, you know, under 30 usually for people that feel like they haven't been properly taught finance so yeah. okay so you give them the basics right yeah. yeah yeah well that's good but what is behavioral finance what's that behavioral finance it's something that i've been recently dabbling in but the way that it works is pretty much therapy in regards to your finances so a lot of us when we're children depending on how our parents were with money if money was very stigmatized or hushed or if your parents were very paycheck to paycheck. And then growing up, you kind of keep those stigmas and you keep that behavior towards money. So behavioral finance is also, there's two types of behavioral finance. The one that most people think of is when you are like assessing the stock market, that's behavioral finance as well. But the behavioral finance that I'm into is very therapeutic, kind of healing the parts of yourself with money because it's just a cycle. Yeah, I just want, if I went up to my CPA and asked him that question, would you know what I was talking about? Or is it, it's the first time I've heard about it, actually. That's, uh, I didn't know what it was. But my, my son is, he's not good with money. So he needs to learn better about money. I try my best, but he's a bit grown up now. So he does his own thing, doesn't listen to me. He's not his dad, right? <laughs> That's how it goes. That's how That's it how goes. That's how it goes. Yeah. Okay. So he could, do with some of this behavioral finance stuff i think um anyway maybe he'll just learn one day the penny will drop he said 
but yeah, I mean, it's uh, you have to behave yourself with money. Uh, you don't want to be go broke and all that stuff. Common sense prevails, you know, at the end that's of the day. It. Yeah. Well, that's that's all good stuff. You also have a podcast, don't you? I do. I've I haven't been posting on it too too much recently, but yes, I also have a podcast. Well, yeah, you you can't do you do a lot. You're busy busy lady, so you do it when you can. And I travel a lot. Some place I go to, the internet service is so bad. You know, I barely make a phone call or just get on the web. So it's difficult for me to do podcasts. But but your podcast is called the Big Kids Podcast. Now, is yes, it for it big is. kids? I'm a big kid. But do you mean that? What do you mean? What is it? I think for big kids, the original concept that I had behind it was more when you first come into adulthood, you still feel like a child. So you're essentially just a big kid. And you, you know, everybody complains about, oh, they never teach us how to do our taxes in school and all those things. So you still feel like a child, but like all of a sudden you're catapulted into having to do adult things that you have like no concept of. So that's kind of where, that's what I mean by it. But I think anyone can be a big kid. I think my parents are still big kids, so. I, I think we all are to agree. And now, I'm older than you, obviously, uh, Kayla, <laughs> but I'm not sure what I want to be when I grow up. Me either. That, I don't know if that's the case, but yeah. I think we all have to, the older we get, we, we have to have that little child in us somewhere, you know, keep us young psychologically. I, I don't know. But anyway, that's, that's a, maybe a bit big kids podcast so it's for what age group typically i find that majority of my listeners are between 16 and 35 usually yeah it depends though okay well you just do it when you can that's fine you do, and it's it's all good i mean podcast today is just a great form of communication anyway so uh it's, it's excellent just doing it while you can it, it is a good thing excellent now you have, lots, like. uh, you have lots of uh social media followers now one th- uh, social media platform I really know little about, and I think you have a lot of followers on it, is TikTok. I personally do really like TikTok. I find that it's opened up a lot of opportunities for me. And my other job that I have, I work with small businesses as well. I work for a small business lender. So a lot of the work that I do is like business planning and you know, helping people go digital. And I find that TikTok is really good for not only individuals, but businesses as well. Yeah. A lot of business owners are like, I don't want to go on TikTok. It's so scary. But it just opens it up to so many people that we haven't been able to reach before. Yeah. So it's it's, it's another social media platform. It's uh, it's good. It's, I mean, all these social media platforms, some benefit some people, others, you know, it doesn't. What? So I, I don't know about TikTok. I mean, you, it, uh, you, I've got your Instagram account up here. So you do um, like, video reels on tiktok and put them on instagram you do that type of thing yeah i'll do that sometimes i find the majority of content that i post is to tiktok just because it's honestly it's kind of like brain brain numbing posting where you don't put a lot of thought into it instagram i try to think a little bit more about what i'm posting and i don't post as often because of that all right well to be honest with you, I haven't looked at your TikTok account, so I'll, I'll have to give that a view uh, later. All right. Now, more on to the travel stuff, which is what this podcast is about. Now, it's intrigued me about one place you've been to, because I do have some questions about that, and it's mm-hmm. a, something very important. I don't know if you've learned how to, but you typically do travel on a tight budget. Is this because you know how to do it now? Partially, I... 
I do pride myself in sometimes being a bit of a penny pincher. It might be the personal finance aspect. So I like to travel on a budget for that reason. But also, usually when I go somewhere, I want to be as immersed as possible. And I find the more money you spend, the more disconnected you get from the local people. So, Well, yeah, I I think the, um, well, true to to a degree, I think, because you've got to get to these places, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's probably, well, the older you get, the more comfort uh, you need. I don't know how far you've gone in your life. I mean, if you travel over the Pacific Ocean, it's quite a flight there, of course. It's going to be 14 hours, right? So I've done my share of flying in coach class Trans-Pacific and all that. So I'm I'm more of a creature of comfort now. So I use points to do the long-haul flights. Uh, But I still like to go to off-the-beaten-track places as much as I possibly can and mix with the locals, which is a good thing, which brings me to another point because – and I haven't many, met many people who have done this. You spent time in the country of Haiti. I did, yes. And then there, was this volunteer work? Yeah, I went to Haiti. I was there for three months on a volunteer visa. Oh, well, tell me about that. Because um, as was this as a result of the hurricane that hit the country? You did that? <laughs> Actually, so it was kind of an interesting situation. A, a little bit of backstory on me. I never traveled growing up. I saw the ocean for the first time when I was 18. And I actually moved to Florida. So... I love Florida. I was living in Florida for uh, about a year or so. And then I decided I wanted to go to Haiti on a work visa. So beforehand, I did some schooling for, I was taking photojournalism at the time. And I took some courses on like grief management and uh, disaster relief. But while I was taking those courses, I knew that I was going to Haiti and it was around October 2016 and the hurricane hit while I was preparing to go. Oh, really? So how, how much in advance of your time going there? Like a few uh, weeks before, how many, how much time before? It, it was about three weeks. Oh, three weeks. Yeah. So I guess that, um, you know, you might have had second thoughts about going. I, I don't know. I kind of did, but I think because I hadn't really traveled much before, I, you know, like you see pictures and everybody everybody knows a general idea of what's happening in Haiti and what has been happening. And you see the pictures and I don't know if it's just growing up in Canada and not really experiencing anything like that, but I wasn't really expecting anything when I was going. So I didn't feel very apprehensive because I had no idea what I was even getting into. Okay. So, so you didn't know... Um... You know, you just went there. Okay, I had a hurricane. I'm just going there anyway. And did you stay in the city or did you go out in the boonies? You say you were there for, what, 30 days? How long were you there for? I was there for three months. Oh, three months. That's substantial. Yeah. So it was a long what, time. What, what were you doing there all that time? So when we got there, I, I did go with a group, which is good, and like an ongoing group that I'm still in contact with. So we went there and stayed with a family that lives in Haiti, and they were actively building a house. So initially what we did was we went to the north part of the country and we stayed in a village and we were there for about three weeks. And then we traveled down to Port-au-Prince and we spent about a week in Port-au-Prince and then we ended up in Lakai. And that's where kind of the brunt of my time was spent. Got it. Um, Was uh, Port-au-Prince affected at all by the hurricane or was it sort of okay? It was affected I never went there, obviously, before the 2010 earthquakes. I think that's when a lot of the infrastructure 
kind mm-hmm. of fell apart. So when I went, there was definitely damage, but a lot of those like old French Revolution buildings are indestructible. So a lot of yeah. them were still standing, but there was definitely damage. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing too. With sorry, with with Haiti, their buildings are usually hurricane proofed. That's why the earthquake was so hard for them was because they're building like a Caribbean country, so they're building their houses to withstand storms, not earthquakes. I mean, it's the poorest nation in the Caribbean, as that's for sure. And it just seems to get hit by hurricanes, earthquakes more than any other nation. And it's it's, it's so sad for those people there. You you probably saw a lot of poverty there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, poverty exists all over the world, of course. <clears throat> but there, you, obviously, particularly, you you probably see more than uh, necessary. You did some volunteer work, did you, or just tried to help out as much as you could? Yeah, I did volunteer work. So I taught, I actually taught reproductive health in one of the high schools there. So I did that for a, a bit. And then we did some volunteer work at an orphanage. But the the majority of what we were doing was building uh, because that's kind of where the need was at that point. I think that if the hurricane wouldn't have happened right before we went, maybe what I would have done would have been different, but that was where the need was. Yeah. Were you there before you volunteered, or did you go there intending to vol- volunteer? That is the first country I had been to, aside from the States. I had never been anywhere else. Since then, I've been to multiple Caribbean countries, so m- my perspective on how it is in Haiti has also evolved since then. But yeah, that was the first place I'd ever been outside of Canada and the States. That's amazing. You know, you speak to 99% of all people and the first country they go to would not be Haiti. You know, a guy I used to work with many, many years ago, he went to Haiti on business, uh, technology advisor, and he told me a little bit about it. And, uh, but uh, yeah, he, he came back with some stories also, but I know, I'm sorry, did you bump into Sean Penn while you were you there? Because he was spending no. a lot of time there, didn't he? <laughs> I, I actually have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> You're totally oblivious to it, eh? Yeah, I wouldn't have even noticed if I walked past him. <laughs> oh, yeah, because, yeah, I know, he looks different every time you see him. Anyway, <laughs> um, probably I wouldn't either. So with your accommodation, you just stayed at a family in the big city, did you? Or did you move out to the the the, uh, the damaged city? So it's the first little bit, like when we stayed in the village, it was a very remote village. Yeah. We stayed in tents. So I had my own little tent and I stayed there and I shacked up with the goats. And then when we were in Port-au-Prince, we did stay with a host family, which was very nice. And then when we were in Lakai, we were back to tents, tents, outdoor showers, squatty potties. Oh yeah. yeah, Of course. Yeah. You say goats. Oh, goats. Yeah. Tons of goats. And the goats will eat your tent. So then they'll get in your tent. <laughs> hmm. So in your tent, you went by yourself. You probably had a goat in there. Probably, which I guess isn't the worst company, but is a little shocking when you're not expecting the goats. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. Like you, you sleep one night and a goat walks in. Our, our goats, goats are there for Probably a couple of reasons to help move stuff around, but uh, do they use them for food as well? I think mainly milk. Uh, milk. Like, yeah, goat milk seems to be the most consistent thing. You don't really – lots of chickens. I, chicken seems to be the biggest source of meat, easy to raise. You can yeah. have tons of them. Yeah. 
I, I was going to say, I didn't know because there's some places in the world that goats are the food of the place, like in uh, Monterey, Mexico, that the goats are the main food there. Um, having been there, I had the first time I had a goat curry, but uh, you know, it seems to be quite popular there. Um, so you were there three months. When you left, were you happy to leave or thinking, I'd like to come back here one day? It was a mix. I think obviously being away from my family for that long was hard. My husband actually ended up going to the same place exactly a year later for three months as well. Did he really? He did. We were just dating at the time and he went with the same family that, you know, was building a home there and was, you know, preparing to open up kind of their own volunteer house. So yeah, he went there a year later and that was really nice because it was hard and things have gotten significantly worse in the country since I even went. And that's hard too, because I, I have wanted to go back, but right now it's, it's a red zoned country and they're yeah. not really letting anyone in. Yeah, that, that's true. Uh, so the volunteer work that you did was just helping the people there, I guess, helping them yeah. get by, speaking to them and just consoling them or, or whatever you could. Is mm-hmm. that what it is? Psychological help. Generally. I'm not yeah. very strong. So when everyone was building houses, I was probably quite useless. But yeah, I can so talk. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I've seen clips on TV about them, and uh, you just feel sorry for the people. But this type of situation occurs in many parts. I, I mentioned before that I, I was on my way to the Philippines one year when um, the typhoon Haiyan hit Tacloban. That would hit the East Coast, but I was going to sort of the West Coast area. But that part of the country is, is narrow at the time. But I did see a lot of damage. You know, a lot of people died during that time. And I thought about turning around and going back, but I still went. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm glad I did, actually. Um, but, you know, these natural disasters, they can happen anytime, anywhere in the world. You know, you just saw what happened in, in Turkey and Syria, of course. So, uh, you know, who, who's going to be next, you know? It's true. And, you know, there's some countries like like Haiti that are kind of at a disadvantage because they're right on two fault lines. So, yeah. And they're perfectly in the eye of almost every hurricane They're It's probably the worst geographical spot to have an entire nation built on. Uh, I think so. Yeah, because it seems to get hit more than uh, anything. I, I remember I was in Indonesia one year. I was going to a place called Sibadan, which is a remote island. I do scuba diving. And I landed, I just checked into a place in a town called, it's a Muslim town called Semporna. I had to overnight there before going, sailing over to this remote island. And I got texts saying, do you realize there has just been an earthquake in Sulawesi and the whole area has been evacuated? So I was on pins and needles all that night. The only place to evacuate was the jungle. And that, that wouldn't have helped at all. But luckily, it, it, the problem went away. It didn't exist. So that was a bit nerve-wracking, you know. So, yeah. Hey, it happens, you know. So I'm glad you survived anyway. And, you know, it's debat- debatable whether you'll go back there. You you were taking photojournalism at the time. So you've got some photographs, and I've seen them on that link you sent me, right? Mm-hmm. And, and some great pictures on there, just families and pe- lots of people on it. So it, it's all good. So in future... You're in Calgary now. So that was the start of your travel book, I guess. And where else have you been sort of adventurous since then? But not so to a, a place that's so drastically damaged. 
Since, well, I, there's been a few places I've been to, I haven't been to obviously as many countries as you, but I've been to about, I've been to 12 in the past six years and I'm trying to add to it, but I think the next adventure I have been on since that is I did Europe. I went to Europe this summer and we went through Italy because I've always been obsessed with Italy. We did France and visited Monaco and spent about a week in England. And that was really incredible because I'd never, I'd never been to Europe before. Obviously my husband had seeing as he's Danish, but it was, it was pretty incredible. And we backpacked and it was a little bit chaotic at moments trying to figure out the train system for sure. But other than that, oh, it yeah. cool. but it's, it's good though. I mean, it's, it's, are you talking about England now? I like obviously Italy has a good train system. It's all over Europe. It's it's good. When you went to uh, Britain, or might have been England. Whereabouts did you go to? We just stayed in London. Yeah, we didn't go too adventurous. It was an accident that we ended up there because our flight got canceled coming back home. Yeah. So, and as soon as they could rebook us was like six days later. So we just made the most of it at that point. And it was probably my favorite place. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's a it's a great place. I suspected you were going to say London, by the way, because many people they go they go to England. Yeah, I just go to London, of course. And thinking, well, where else does it go to? I got a recommendation for you. Next time you go there, go to the countryside. Okay. There's an area in the countryside called the Cotswolds. It's it's full of villages, a few miles apart. Now you're into backpacking. You trek between these villages, stay in a pub, you know, for one night, move on to the next one. You could cycle if you want or just walk between the villages, and you see the culture of the English countryside, you'll love it. I and would love that. You strike me as the type of person who would love to do it, you, you and your husband. He seems, seems adventurous as well. So, you know, Cotswold's a good area, Morton in the Marsh, Storm on the Wall, Broadway, Chipping Camden, they're all there, just walk around, backpacking. Okay, the weather can be a bit temperamental, but it's not harsh, right? You can go any time of the year. You can't guarantee sun. You will get rain, but it's all right. So I'm okay with that. I've dealt with harsh <laughs> my whole yeah, life. Let's so. think of where you live. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereabouts in Italy did you go? Uh, we went to Rome, Florence, and that was pretty much it. We tried to spend a lot of time. I know a lot of people want want to like fill it up, especially if you're from Canada and you're going there for a short amount of time. People want to go everywhere, but I just wanted to spend like as much time as I could in a few select places. Oh, yeah. Well, well, it's good. I mean, uh, you've actually done it. And of course, there's a lot to see in Europe, you know, more, more so than you think. And I, well, cause I'm, I'm a Brit, you can tell from my accent, but being born and raised there. So I did, I was able to see a lot of Europe, but I've seen probably more of it since I've been over here, I think. I never went. I was born in England, but I never saw Scotland when I lived there until I moved here. It's, it seems ridiculous, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, I know. It's, but that's the type of thing you do. You go back and see the family. You think, well, why are we here? Well, let's go to this place, you know. And I said, tell people just 16 months ago, I was in Kiev in the Ukraine. People thought I was nuts when I went there. I, I probably was nuts going there right before the conflict, but I'm glad I did because it's an unbelievable, beautiful city, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, there's plenty of beautiful places in Europe. So, uh, war aside, conflict aside, hopefully you'll get the chance to uh, go back there. Um, yeah, I'm hoping so. What else is on your bucket list if you had to go somewhere? No, probably not volunteer work, 
Well, let me ask you this. If you had to do volunteer work in another place, because I spoke to quite a few people on my podcast and they've done volunteer work in some very um, dubious places around the planet. If you had to do it again and you had a choice, where would you do it? I'd, if I could choose, I'd probably do Peru. I've always wanted to go to Peru and it's one of those places, especially now with what's happening there. I think yes. that there probably will be a need. And I don't think that the country is going to resolve civil conflict soon. So I think that would probably be my choice. I've always wanted to go to Peru. Yeah. That, yeah. That goes a lot to see there. I spent a few days in Lima before chaotic, but a really nice, uh, really nice uh, city is Lima. Excellent. And uh, obviously if you didn't have to do any volunteer work or you went to, would like to go to some other place, off the beaten path, where would you go to? Where would be your next choice, do you think? I do have a next choice already booked. I am going to Indonesia and Malaysia in September. I'll be there for about a month. So that's an exciting one because that was on my bucket list. I do okay. Bali. Bali? <laughs> yep, of course. Of Tourist. Course. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And do you see what's happened recently with Bali? I have been trying to pay attention, but I don't know if I know what you know. Um, what they because when you go to Bali, you get visa on arrival, and they're going to now stop uh, Ukrainians and Russians going into the country and getting visa on arrival because there's too much problems there. They're bringing in the problems and the conflict with them, and of course, you know, the Russians and Ukrainians in that country. So you can imagine what happens. So they're going to stop all that. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't but, realize that. Yeah, I know, but you know, you know, I think they're probably doing the right thing because it, it's a beautiful island. It's got it, the people are very welcoming, friendly, and the countryside is just uh, wonderful there. So, yeah, it is a place you'd probably like to stay there for a while. In fact, um, about three weeks ago, I had a gentleman on my podcast, him and his wife, and their three sons. Three sons were born in three different continents. He's from New York, but they lived in Bali. They've lived in Bali twice. Crazy. Yeah. And he said they stayed there for one year, left, and went back and lived another five years. They loved lived it some loved it so much. So, uh, yeah. So well, I'm get- sold. I am sold from just that. <laughs> <laughs> but don't stay in Kuda Beach, though. It's too uh, too crowded, so get on the outskirts. But but at least while you're there, you, you can have, especially in Southeast Asia, you can get a flight to somewhere. There's lots of places you can go to from there. And they yes, have, have so flight. accessible. It is. Yeah. Because I lived in Singapore for a while, for a couple of years, so it was easy for, to get around and see a lot of Asia. So, yeah, best of luck. Hopefully that works out for you because uh, you won't have any regrets if you do it. Yeah. You I not my tickets are booked. It's a 36-hour travel day getting there, which is going to be super fun, but <laughs> I'll survive. You will survive. Yeah, but, you know, it's a, the adrenaline, you know, you, you want to get there. It keeps you going. Yeah, you'll get jet lag, but the adrenaline might keep you awake. Who, who knows? But uh, Yeah, which that would be perfect. <laughs> well, that's admirable. You see, you're doing it. There's a lot of people your age that wouldn't even think about doing stuff like that. You know, and I forget what the stats are in the United States, but I think only thirty-seven percent of all Americans have active passports. Yeah, that's. I actually knew that, and that is insane to think of. 
Oh, for multiple reasons. Because even if you don't plan on leaving the country, I feel like it's still a safe bet to have a passport. Oh, I, I think so. Like compared to Europeans, which probably virtually everyone does, you know, uh, which it is hard to believe in a way. But I, I mean, there's a lot to see in North America, a lot to see in the United States, of course. So people don't have. I don't need to go anywhere, you know, and I know people where I live, they've never been out of the United States, you know, no intention yeah. of doing it. Well, that's, that's fine. You know, that's, that's what they want to do. But so that's all good. So, oh, uh, I forgot to ask you about it. Go back, rewind to Haiti. Okay. Rewind. Okay. You, 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 you bumped in some tarantulas there, did you? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like to say, for for multiple reasons, Haiti is the reason that I'm no longer scared of spiders. I was terrified of spiders beforehand. The concept of them was so scary. But in Haiti, the tarantulas, tarantulas like dark, cold places. And when you're showering, it's dark and cold because there's no electricity yeah. in the showers. So you have to shower and tarantulas run all over your feet and you can just like feel them running on your feet. And then I woke up one morning with a tarantula with me, beside me in my bed. And I panicked and I was screaming. And this was while we were staying at an orphanage. And these kids run in and they grab it and they start tearing its legs off. And then they played pass with it. And it was so exciting. And they wanted me to join so bad. And I was like, I cannot just. <laughs> you woke up in the middle of the night and there's a tarantula snoozing next to you. I don't know. I think I scared the tarantula. Like, obviously, they say, you know, spiders are more scared of you than you are of them. I don't care. <laughs> it's <laughs> so scary. Yeah. Oh, uh, no. Nasty little critters. And what's the thing about voodoo? I've heard about oh. this in Haiti. Yeah. Voodoo. Uh, so, what did you experience there? I personally, because the history of Haiti is really interesting because they were the first. Um, well, they were the second aside from the United States to gain independence in the Americas, which is, it was a huge win at the time. Yeah. And because most of the people in Haiti are from West Africa, voodoo was a huge part of their culture. And yeah. it still is. It's Haiti was the first country to recognize voodoo as an actual religion. So when you stay in villages and stuff in the night, alongside, you know, the goat that's sleeping with you and probably the tarantula that also wants to get in on sleeping, they play the voodoo drums and it's really loud. And the first time I heard it, I did not know what was happening because it's like one o'clock in the morning. So it freaks you out a bit, right? It freaks me out, but it's actually, it's very cool. The ceremonies that they do for voodoo is very interesting and how they just use different elements like fires. It, it's pretty cool, but it's everywhere all through the night. Like when you yeah. stay in Port-au-Prince, you can usually hear some voodoo drums. Now, oh, there's there's all kinds of uh, strange stuff in the Caribbean. I mean, they've got their mythical characters as well. Have you heard of the Barbadian Heartman? No, I haven't. Yeah, it's I, I do uh, public speaking engagements on for cruise ships. We sail around the Caribbean, so I talk about the culture of the Caribbean. They have a thing called the Barbadian Heartman, and he was the and he especially goes after kids. He takes their heart out and gives it to the devil, right? Oh my. Yeah, so I just wondered how they use it in a place like Barbados. Parents said, clean up your bedroom, or else I'm going to call the, the heart man. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, but it's a mythical creature. So is La Diabole, is a devil woman. Yeah, I'm doing that one either. No, so terrifying. Yeah, the Diabole is the de devil woman, and especially bad for guys, because what she does, 
she leads the guys into the rainforest and the jungle. Then she disappears, right? And the guys get scared and they fall down crevices and ravines or get eaten by wild dogs. And she was given eternal life by the devil. And that's her. So it's and the people honestly believe that stuff. And but there's a number of things like that. And what you've told me is is all these myths they come from Africa. Yeah. yeah, but I would be so scared if my mom told me that the heart man is coming. I don't think I would recover from that. <laughs> I know, I'm not saying that that is the reason, but it came from somewhere. Is the heart man's responsible for taking people's hearts away and giving them to the devil? I don't. <laughs> Scary stuff, isn't it? But yeah, a lot of it comes from Africa, and people probably joke about it now a lot more. You know, but it's all good. Anyway, Kayla, uh, people want to get hold of you. You're on TikTok as Free Kayla, right? Mm -hmm. And you're on as Instagram as Free Kayla. That's one I've got up on my screen here. And you've also one got Club Wild CA. What's that? That's my that's my uh, design company. Okay, got it. Design company. Yeah, I do. I do packaging and graphic design and pretty much everything that you can think of. Okay, well, well, wonderful. Uh, so people could check out. Have you got, actually got a website per se, or just have the, these sort of social media sites? I do have uh, a website for my branding agency. It's clubwild.ca. Okay. Okay, got it. All right. Well, excellent. Um, all right. Well, good. Before we hang up here, you got anything to to say? Anything you want to tell the people out there before we disappear? I came so unprepared to tell the people anything. That's it's all right. That happens a lot. Don't worry about it. But uh, good talking to you. What time zone are you on? You're on uh, Mountain Time, are you? I'm on Mountain Time. Yep. I'm I'm only about twenty minutes from the mountains, so that's very convenient. Yes, it is. It is. Well, enjoy the snow and the cool weather. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Look, we had a freeze here a couple of weeks ago, and the place grounded to a halt. You know, the trees were dying all over the place. We can't handle cold weather down here, so, you know, it's the way what, it is. What area of Florida are you in? Uh, northwest Destin. It's the, the panhandle. It sort of goes, bends around to the left and faces south. So, okay. You're yeah, we quite go. north. Yeah, yeah, we are. We, we get hurricanes here, but it's, uh, it's all right, generally speaking. But yeah, it's uh, very popular with tourists, you know, too much so. But uh, anyway, Kayla, good meeting you and good luck in the future. Enjoy yes. your travels next time you venture out of town across the pond and uh, whether it's to England or somewhere else in Europe, enjoy your travels and uh, best wishes to you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. Take care. Yes, you too. Bye-bye. Many thanks for joining me today. This is Malcolm Teasdale signing off. Before I do, please check out my website, MalcolmJTeasdale.com, for more information about my travels around the world. Okay, folks, talk to you later. Bye for now. Stay safe.